This month's episode is brought to you by Podbean. Think you have what it takes to start up a podcast? Podbean makes it easy with one-stop audio hosting and registering to the major podcast services like iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Go to podbean.com slash vgxtpod to start your show and join an ever-expanding online community. Crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels, a casual conversation. This is Video Game Crosstalk, episode 027, the monthly podcast of gamers talking about tax, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this episode is host of Super Geeked Up, Jeff Burns. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So it's kind of funny. Uh, I actually had you on the show, kind of, sort of, at the Albany uh, Empire City Comic Con, and I introduce you by saying thank you for lowering your standards to <laughs> <laughs> and speaking with me. And your response was like, "Oh no, man, we're raising the standards here." So I guess I will say you're welcome for lowering my standards and having you on this show. Ah, uh, right. See, that's the last time I give you a compliment. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, no. Empire State Comic Con was great. That was, was that was that time. was a lot of fun. Uh, beautiful facility, I might add. Yeah, it's 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 a little over a year old. The uh, the new uh, Capital Center, which is the convention center here in Albany, New York. Yeah, nice place, all carpeted. Yeah, the, yeah, the lights, perfect place for convention. It really is. The lights still work at their normal like light level. It's not <laughs> some old uh, either fluorescent or incandescent bulbs hanging from the ceiling where everything has a this weird yellow glow to it afterwards. Uh, the lighting actually works. The sound system definitely works. That I yeah. <laughs> count aloud a few times. Yeah, no, it's a great place. But it's good. Uh, so, so what have you been up to recently? Uh, I well, so uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I was at San Diego Comic Con. Uh oh, uh, it was my sixth straight year there. Um, so okay, so I obviously do... we're going to jump right into that. So, what's going on over at San Diego? I, I love San Diego. I mean, I love the city. Uh, I love the con. So uh, I do um, I do panels there every year, and uh, we're very fortunate that this is the third year in a row we got to do our super geeked up show. And that is awesome. So we got to geek out. We got to play a lot of cool improv comedy games with audience volunteers. Uh, that was super fun. And, and then I did a couple of tabletop uh, RPG panels. So things about like you know Dungeons and Dragons and other tabletop RPGs, oh, cool. uh, which are yeah, yeah, yeah they're always yeah, volunteered there. I saw something on Facebook that you're doing like an intro to tabletop gaming. Uh, I, one of them was, it was called Amazing Tabletop RPGs for Beginners. So that was more okay. geared towards beginners. And then the other one is a recurring one I've been doing. Uh, this is the third year we did it at San Diego. It's called A Super Fun Guide to Dungeons and Dragons and Tabletop RPGs. So uh, that's just kind of a, just kind of for anybody who's interested, if you're a beginner or a veteran to RPGs, just, you know, talking about how to get the most fun out of it and just advice and that kind of stuff with some really cool people who have a lot of, you know, good experience playing RPGs. That's pretty awesome. Uh, what kind of topics did you cover in in that second one you mentioned the the super fun? Uh, yeah, so we talked about 
You know, we talked about tips for creating characters and like characters you want to keep playing for, you know, like a long time that you don't mm -hmm. get tired of easily. We talked about like how to help everyone get along well at the table because sometimes, you know, there's conflicts. <laughs> I mean, no, no, nobody really goes in wanting that, but it happens. Or people have different play styles, you know. So we talked about how to like kind of get around that and, you know, have everybody have it, you know, working well together, having fun because it's supposed to have be fun when you play a game like that. Right. Um, I'm actually thinking right now of like when you mentioned different play styles and everyone's here to have fun, but you know, personalities and play styles begin to rub against each other. Uh, not so much in the tabletop world, but back in the day when I was playing a lot of Borderlands, Borderlands 2 specifically, I am very goal oriented i guess i'll use like, okay. i want to get on with the missions i do enjoy the story i love listening to and having the story and lore develop around me but i i, I want to go i have a limited time to play games i want to go do stuff and my brother would constantly be going to all the little vending machines and shops looking at stuff trying to tweak out his stats for you know, optimization, looking at his skins and <laughs> appearance settings, trying to get that right look. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to just go in my own game and just leave you behind. Yeah. No, yeah, just different so, playstyles. Yeah, different goals. I mean, yeah. I understand and I can appreciate the setting up your character for absolute maximum efficiency. But like my personal play style will be there comes a time where like I, I need to do something. I'm getting impatient yeah, a little bit. I got you. So, so uh, did you have any tips for like helping people calm down if they're getting a little too impatient, trying to get back to the action rather than discussing things or uh, tweaking out their fine tuning their character? I mean, I know one of the um, one of the advice was actually came from uh, Jennifer Kretschmer, who um, actually now gets paid to to, D to to be a dungeon master for people. Um, nice. She's, she's actually been on all the panels I've done uh, for for this kind of D and D stuff at San Diego. Uh, she always highly recommends what she calls a session zero, which is okay. which is uh, when you basically just every you know you're gonna play tabletop or wherever it's D Dungeons and Dragons or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody get together. And um, not actually play the game, but just go over stuff, you know? You can talk, obviously, like the characters, and sometimes you can maybe help create characters in that session, but also just talk about what everybody, how they like to play, what, what the expectations are. Kind of the DM can kind of maybe set some rules, you know, as well, or how things should work. Um, okay. I do think I do think that's smart, actually. I think a lot that usually doesn't happen because people want to, I get it, they want to get into start playing. But... Um, I do think it is actually smart to kind of try to everybody be on the same page in the beginning. Um, yeah. I haven't played like a tabletop RPG since like the late nineties. So we're talking like second edition Dungeons and Dragons. So it's, it's been okay. a while, yeah. <laughs> been a while, but uh, as I've seen games progress and as I've matured personally, if you're going to be spending an, a large amount of time with someone, in a very tactical, very involved setting, I easily see the value in a session zero. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, I, I, that's readily apparent to me. Yeah, and I, I mean, personally, I always, I always stress communication uh, when you know if people uh, ask me advice on that. 
That's what mm -hmm. I try to do. You know, I think just too often, not, not just in, in tabletop gaming, but in life, uh, sure. people, people don't, they don't want to bring up things that may be bothering them because uh, nobody likes conflict, right? Okay. And, and they're afraid, you know, and they bring it up like, oh, maybe the person will get mad or maybe we'll get in an argument. And, and, I, and I totally get that. But I will say, <laughs> if you, the sooner you bring it up in a kind honest and open way that's not attacking uh, i think it's much better and this is what i do in, in my and i have a game that we do every two weeks uh, a tabletop rpg and we we do that like i think that we we work well because that's what we do like we'll bring something up you know if something happened uh, we'll just bring it up like you know very again not we're not accusing anybody we're just saying like maybe what happened and maybe that bugged us a little bit and hey can we maybe do things a little differently and like, you know, mm -hmm. come to some kind of compromise that works for everybody. So I think it's just, you know, be, be open about that kind of stuff and communicate. And, and that's really, I think the key. Mm -hmm. well, and I actually have seen that in you reflected. Uh, I've been to a couple of your super geeked up live events at some of the Albany cons and every once in a while, someone will get a little, I don't know what term to use, not necessarily condescending, but they get a little like, oh, my God, you don't know that. Or that is the worst decision ever. Someone from the audience will uh -huh. get, get a little salty and you diffuse the situation like instantaneously by being positive and open and honest was just like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. Explain it to me real quick. Or something to that yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Well, thank you for that compliment. I appreciate that. Hmm. I, I know. So, like, oh, you you took care of that real quick, and it's it's a stark contrast to what I what someone would typically see in that kind of setting, rather than trying to deflect it or play it off. It's just coming at it like head on, but in a positive, open way. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Actually, the the biggest thing for me. Uh, doing super geeked up, um, and sorry for the, for those listeners. I'm sure there's plenty of listeners who are not even aware of what that is. Um, we'll get into that. Don't okay. you worry. We'll get right. into that. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> uh, but yeah, for me, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things, is super positiveness. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm always. In fact, I do this throughout all my social media stuff. Like I'm always positive. I'm always positive on the show. Um, for me, it's always been about this is a safe place where you can talk about any geeky thing you love and I don't care what it is. And I don't care if I love it or not. Like, I don't have to love it. I don't even have to know about it. If you love it and you want to talk about it, that's great. And I mm -hmm. want to hear about it. And, and so I know, you know, a lot of online stuff and even sometimes in the geek world, you know, there can be kind of that, I don't know, oh. shake, almost shaming kind of stuff. Like, Oh, what? You love that. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. You know, and that's, has no place on our show. And we never do that. Um, we, uh, and that's awesome. I just, yeah. I don't, and that's, so that's what I always try to bring to it because you shouldn't, you shouldn't ever be ashamed of what you love. Uh, uh, you know, you should embrace it and that's great. Cool. All right. So let's segue right into that. What is super geeked up? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> so super geeked up is a, a live online geeky chat and improv comedy show. So, I always pitch it as it's like a, a geeky version of whose line is it anyway? If you're familiar with that show, I'm a big fan of that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a mix though of, so 
part of it was we just have these, we come up with these zany geek themed questions every week. Like, you know, like what would be your weapon of choice in the zombie apocalypse or what uh, f- fictional alien character you want to have sex with, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so, and, but then we also work in these uh, improv games and, you know, they're, they're probably games you might've seen in other shows like Who's Line, but we put our, like our own geeky spin on it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, one of my favorites is called Superhero Sound Effects, where uh, we have the audience uh, suggest like kooky sounding superhero, like made up superhero names um, to us. And then uh, and then we do a scene we're solving some ridiculous crisis, like, for example, like, oh, the world's out of ketchup or something yeah. ridiculous like that. <laughs> Um, I just need to point out to the listeners, when you crowdsource from a live audience, either uh, through a streaming or at an actual like panel discussion setting, people just call out the most random things. And what you end up with is unique. Yeah, (laughs) but it's usually gold. Uh, It's it's great. But that's no, that's a huge part of the show. The audience is a huge part of our show. Uh, It wouldn't be the same without them. So, yeah, so we take those suggestions. And yeah, and it's, it's super kooky stuff, but that's what makes it great. We love kooky stuff. And, you know, yeah, so we would run that scene and people would like create, some of us would be doing the scene, other people would be creating the sound effects that are in that scene. Um, mm-hmm. So like one, t- one time, I think, I don't know, I was playing something like Flatulence Man or something to that effect. I don't know. <laughs> so of course, you can imagine what was happening. You know? yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that. It was some other name, but it was something about, you know, not that kind of sounds. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, but we so we do a lot of like just kind of geeky improv games, and particularly when we do it um, in person at cons because we we travel around doing it at cons. Um, it's really fun then because we're on stage. We get the audience to come up on stage with us. It's it's really mm-hmm. a blast when we get to do that. There is something special about the live performances where the energy just like bounces all over the place in the room when when things get moving quickly or like when you have proper participation and you have a responsive audience there is something magic that happens during that time you know what i mean oh yeah you know I, I, mean? I totally agree now you can yeah when you're there you could feel it like when everything's just totally working and firing all cylinders mm-hmm. um and you know and the, and our we have guests uh, on our sh- like on stage and on our line online version but when you know the guests are it's working and the audience is totally into it and they're laughing and it's just great. Like, um, like in a, in a week I'm off the dragon con, uh, in Atlanta. And last year was my first time doing super geeked up at dragon con. Okay. Um, and that, and that was like our best attended show. The room was packed. There was no really? seat. Nice. And, and that crowd was like, awesome. Like they were just yelling <laughs> stuff out. Like at one point we actually had to say, Oh my God, we have to actually start calling on people. I cannot hear. Like I had no idea what anybody was saying because everybody was shouting out things and suggestions. Um, that is fantastic for a live show. Yeah, that was great. Good job. So when is Dragon Con? That's coming up, isn't it? Yeah. So Dragon Con is uh, August 30th through September 3rd. It's always Labor Day weekend. Okay. Um, that in San Diego are my absolute favorite cons. Uh, so I, I can't say enough good things about both of them. And mm. um, yeah, Dragon Con super cool. It's actually a fan run convention just so awesome it's so well done um i do the most there of anywhere I actually i have thir- i'm doing 13 panels good lord <laughs> yeah good, so uh, good for you thanks yeah it's it's a blast i love doing it besides super geeked up and some of my other shows like dc action hour and and we're doing um 
tabletop gaming panels. Mm -hmm. um, I also get this year, I'm actually getting to, I do a lot of moderating when I go to cons as well. Okay. Uh, so, so I get this year, I'm actually getting to moderate three of the uh, TV. They have a lot of TV cast actors who come there. Okay. So I'm going to get to moderate three TV panels, which is pretty cool. I'm pretty excited. Um, uh, I'm going to get to do Lost Girl, American Gods, and the Librarians. Oh, that sounds awesome. Uh, yeah. I have not watched anything of uh, American Gods, but I know it's by Neil Gaiman, yep. and I am currently reading the Sandman uh, oh, graphic cool. novel series. So <laughs> uh, I have high hopes for it, or high expectations, I should say. And the previews that I've watched look amazing. Yeah, it's a really well-made show, and the acting is yeah. phenomenal. Is that on Stars? It's stars, yeah. Okay. Um, and you also said the magicians? No, uh, the librarians. Librarians. Okay. Sorry. Whoops. Yeah. And I actually just binged that entire series in the last two weeks. Oh, jeez. Uh, get ready. And, but it's awesome. I love that show. It's so great. Okay. Nice. I'll have to check that out then. Ah, so besides Super Geeked Up, and if I remember correct, I'm going off memory right now, you actually started with Super Knocked Up, correct? I did. All right. So obviously we got to talk about that. Yeah. I mean, well, before all that, I was making, uh, you know, filmmaker and I was making short independent films. Okay. Okay. Let's, and, let's, uh, let, let's go all the way back then. All right. So, um, well, we don't have to. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, this is what the interview is all about. Uh, so when we're discussing stuff to uh, get ready for this, um, you had mentioned that you're a filmmaker. So where did you get your start in filmmaking? Uh, I have no uh, education in filmmaking. My mm -hmm. uh, education is actually in ancient history. That's what my master's degree is in. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I mean, I still, I still think history is awesome. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I, I, um, I mean, I always like telling stories. Um, like I, when I was younger, I would just write stories for fun. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and uh, you know, I usually kind of had some kind of sci-fi or fantasy. And to that, you know, that was always, I was always into that kind of stuff and comic books mm -hmm. when I was young. You know, I don't know. Yeah, after, uh, I mean, my senior year of college, my friends and I just made this like really st stupid ass movie. And, um, <laughs> and it was almost all the dialogue was just improv. We just made it up as we went. Okay. So, so I mean, so it's terrible, but, uh, but we, had, <laughs> we had fun doing it. And maybe that gave me a little bit of the bug. Because after that, like after I graduated, um, or after I got out of grad school, actually, uh, I should say, is when I, uh, I started to like kind of seriously try to become a filmmaker. And yeah, I don't know. You know what? I just decided one day I was going to try doing it. That, um, you know, I, I really I wanted to I wanted to try to tell stories, and and I liked the idea of the, the film format and the visual mm -hmm. aspects of that. So yeah, so I just started writing, producing, and directing my own films, and. And I did a few of them, you know, and I, you know, so, I thought I was keep, I got better every time I made one. Um, so, so what kind of stuff did you write? So <laughs> I started, so I started with um, comedies and romantic comedies, actually. The first couple, uh, the first one was, so it's funny. It's so ridiculous thinking back now, but the first one was actually a comedy about a guy. Yes, embarrassing stories. I love it. Go on. The first one was a, a comedy about a guy trying to meet Britney Spears. And this, this was back kind of like when she was like at the, you know, kind of like the height of her initial popularity. Okay. 
you know, and then I did a romantic comedy after that, you know, and some of the stuff was based off of like inspired by real experiences I had. Mm-hmm. Um, oh and, yeah. You got to uh, write what you know. Right. Yeah. And and then, uh, and then I did actually like a more serious drama, which I actually think is, is probably one of the best ones I've done. And, and it got most people like, seem to like that one quite a bit. Okay. Um, well. That one was about, uh, it was called chasing fate. It was, it was a bit of a kind of a, a time loop type thing where this guy was repeating the same events, trying to stop something from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that had a bit of a sci-fi. That was probably the first one, I guess, that you could say had a bit of a sci-fi element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I just did a romantic like drama. Uh, so it's interesting. Yeah, most of those early ones had nothing to do with geeky stuff. And part of that was just that I was trying to do things that, you know, were not too complicated to shoot. Okay. Um, it didn't cost a lot of money because I was, you know, <laughs> it was just financing it myself. Uh, and obviously, you know, the, I mean, I mean, look, you know, you, you could do obviously sci-fi type stuff and not have to spend a lot of money, but you know, it's, it can get costly too. If you start thinking about visual effects and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah dollars stack up pretty quick. Mm. So after all that, so I did four short films. I wound up taking this uh, screenwriting course through a place called Screenwriting U, like for university. Mm-hmm. It was a super intense six-month course where oh, wow. at the end of the – you did like you – every day <clears throat> we did an assignment and we wrote something. And at the end of the six months, we had a feature film written. So that's where the idea for Super Knocked Up came. Uh, and <laughs> it was actually during – like the beginning of that course was brainstorming different ideas and deciding which idea you were going to take through the course. And so that's where the idea of, I was trying to come up with uh, superhero things that I hadn't really seen done before. Mm-hmm. So the, the premise of Super Knocked Up is it's a, a super villain gets pregnant by her superhero nemesis. And then she has to try to raise the baby with her you know, enemy, her hero enemy. So it's an action comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and hilarity uh, ensues. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought I was like, oh, I th- you know, I thought that was a cool idea. Every, when I pitched it to other people, they seemed to think like it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people said like, oh, I hadn't seen that done before. Like, All right, great. So I wrote that as a feature. Um, but then I decided I was actually going to try shooting it myself, which was not my initial concept mm-hmm. because it had, did have a lot of super powered stuff in it, <laughs> uh, which I knew would be costly. And yeah, and then actually that led to my first web series. Uh, at that time, I felt, you know, I mean, this is again around the time where the Guild was very popular, Felicia Day's web series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I felt that that format was like, it was the right time to try that out. It was kind of getting really hot. And, and I liked the idea of, I've always liked the idea of doing like TV style things where, and where it's through episodes. So that was a way to do like very short episodes, but kind of still in a TV style. Okay. Uh, where you can follow these characters through this journey. So, yeah, so I decided, so I, I broke up the feature fit uh, script into these, you know, short episodes. Um, All right. I made some changes where, because I knew I could not do everything I wanted uh, <laughs> in terms of like, we, I mean, cause we have some fight scenes, we have some visual effects. Um, I took out some of that stuff. I focused it more on characters and relationship, which I think if anything mm-hmm. is better anyway, cause I, cause really that's what the show is about. It's about the relationship between the hero and villain. Uh, right. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, so we did two seasons of it. Um, and actually I got to do way more visual effects wise than I thought. Cause I fa- found a couple guys. Uh, who were just super awesome at it that we're friends with. And nice. 
And uh, yeah, so we did more than I thought we could do. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it probably got received better than I expected in terms of people seem to really like it. it it's gotten for over 4 million views online at this point. Um, nice. Yeah, it's, it gets on Amazon now as part of their lineup. So, um, so you can watch it there. Uh, and uh, yeah, and we got into a whole, you know, we got into a bunch of web series festivals, won a couple of awards. So um, yeah, so I mean, it worked out pretty well, actually. Um, and better than I thought it would, to be honest with you. So I, I was happy about it. Hey, <laughs> take it, right? Yeah. Very nice. So that kind of... Um, that's probably what, you know, at that point, anyway, if anybody knew me, it was, it was from Super Knocked Up. And that's where kind of, you know, um, established a little bit, you know, kind of a small, I guess, fan mm-hmm. base. Um, and then Super Geeked Up actually is, is a direct result of Super Knocked Up. I wanted to, um, we had to do a uh, lead cast change between seasons one and two uh, for the super villain. Her name's Darkstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the lead character. She's the one who gets pregnant. And... So having an actor change is always tough on any series because the viewers get very attached, you know, obviously to the actor who played mm-hmm. season one. So one of my ideas was, well, let's do a like a kind of a, I don't know, like a geeky talk slash chat show where I and my two lead actors, including the new actress who was coming in to play Dark Star, could kind of just reach out to the fans, kind of just have fun with them. They can kind of see us as people, uh, get to know us. Uh, I, I, I believe strongly that Part of it, I mean, part of people support something because they like the project, but also some of it is they just support it because they like you. They support the okay. people involved in it. Um, yeah, I can, so, I can see that. Yeah, so that was the kind of idea. Like, if they could get to see the new actress and get to have fun with us, that they would want to, you know, keep watching season two of Super Knocked Up. That seemed to have worked. Um, and because uh, everybody seemed to get right on board with her and she did a great job. And nice. so that's where it was born out of. But then um, it has run long, long after Super Knocked Up ended. Uh, it's become its own thing. It was not improv-based at all at first. Um, <laughs> it was more just a chat-type show. Uh, so now it's become its own thing, very, very improv-comedy-based. Um, oh, absolutely. Like six, mm-hmm. Almost six years now, I think. You know, over uh, going on 240 episodes almost at this point we've done. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's very much become its own thing. Awesome. Yeah, Sorry, that was a little long-winded. No, no, there, that's, that, that's the story that's how it all works Alright, so we're going to move into some science and tech news We got two quick articles we can discuss real quick So the first one we got is gene silencing to present prevent disease we're just going to take that one so i'm going to edit a lot of this out but just know that i just fumbled over my own tongue like four times so gene silencing and this is an article out of scientific american and technology gets first drug approval after a 20 year wait so they've been working on this for a while and the idea behind this is that this is like the latest in genetic manipulation and what they're doing is and the article does a pretty good job of explaining uh, dumbing it down to the the common man's language but i think the key paragraph a couple of sentences is it's known as patisserin i think that is the name of the procedure so it sounds like pissing yeah (laughs) 
right at the top of the article, U.S. regulators have approved the first therapy based on RNA interference, a technique that can be used to silence specific genes linked to a disease. And what the idea is, isn't that they're necessarily going after the the disease itself. They're actually going after a gene that causes what we refer to as the disease to occur. So in this case, there is a rare disease called hereditary transthyserin amyloidosis. Wow. I'm just now working the... uh, HTA. Look at this. Those things, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, every once in a while, I'm able to uh, spit them out pretty well, but uh, this tonight is not my night. But what this therapy is actually doing is rather than like getting rid of the disease, what they're doing is they've isolated the protein in RNA that contributes to the possibility of a mutated form of the protein transthyretin to accumulate in the body, which in turn impairs heart and nerve function, which is obviously bad. Mm -hmm. So this is a pretty cool development because like I said, it's not necessarily a drug that fights the, the disease itself. It's not like a virus or a bacteria or a fungus or a, other type of pathogen or parasite or anything like that that they're working on it's actually manipulating the rna so that certain i don't know if i want to call them deficiencies or the diseases themselves don't manifest so any thoughts on that i mean that sounds amazing yeah if they're able to do that that's fantastic yeah, um, yeah. so are you saying it's only right now for this like one specific disease Yes, right now it's only for this one specific disease. Uh, but I would assume here. the idea is that they might be able to do this in other diseases in the future. Absolutely. So moving down the article a little bit, the drug's approval means that pharmacology textbooks will need to be rewritten. And anyone who's gone to college knows that rewriting a textbook is no problem for the publishers. They love doing that so they can charge you full price the next semester. Uh, but the guy is Ricardo uh, Tizzi de Almeida. And I am apologizing for my horrible pronunciation right now. But Ricardo is at the University of Brasilia. And we are inaugurating a new pharm- pharmaco- pharmacological group. Wow, this is just going to be terrible tonight. I apologize for my pronunciations with this news item. But. He goes on to say, we will have many more such drugs in the coming year. So, yeah, right now it's only for the mutated protein. And they're looking at silencing the gene that contributes to the the mutation. That's awesome. So, I mean, this kind of hits a kind of home for me because I've got some some hereditary stuff going on in my family, specifically hyperthyroidism, which isn't Mm. a huge issue. Uh, I only have a slight touch of it, but regulating your thyroid can have some serious like metabolism issues. For me personally, it's very mild where it's just, you know, I'm hot all the time, which mm. really annoys my wife because I'll, we'll be in the car, I'll be sweating bullets and she's like, it's so cold outside. Oh, so yeah, even in the winter, you mean? Yeah, even in the winter. I, well, I'm, obviously we're in upstate New York. 
mm-hmm. we're <laughs> pretty pretty far north, so it still gets pretty cold up here anyway. But like in general, I am quite often the warmest person in the room. <clears throat> but like I said, that's that's as bad as it really gets. But uh, well, yeah, maybe one day they'll be able to stop that. Perhaps, perhaps. Okay, and we can move on to quickly to the second one. Earthquake monitoring may help protect elephants from poachers. So yeah, this is one this. of the key. Say that again. I said I want to hear about this. How this All is going right. to work. <laughs> so. This is a case where we have existing technology that's being used for new stuff. And what they're doing is there is existing technology that measures seismic activity, just you know, tracking earthquakes, the, the common stuff. Well, I don't want to say common, but it, it's well enough known. Like we, we track earthquakes that, yeah, we do that. But what they have started to notice is that elephants rely on more than just sound, like the trumpeting and stuff like that. Uh, they also respond to subtle gestures. Uh, so visually, they respond to different signals. And also, they've noticed that they, re- they respond to seismic vibrations, which means that they can feel each other or other elephants across long distances through um, as they're walking or running around on the ground. And moving on, what they've realized is that there's specific properties or uh, what's the term that they use? Unique seismic patterns are associated when they're actually in distress. So a combination of their trumpeting and how fast and how they run around actually has a unique pattern or you know set patterns to it. And by following that, when they're in distress, that can let you know conservationists know that, oh, there's a group of elephants that are currently in distress up to four miles away even. And that could signal that uh, they're under attack by poachers. So... Are you, oh, are you saying they could so the the technology can be used to know if they're in danger by from poachers? Correct. That's what they're trying ah. to work out. Yeah. So based oh, on so then they could what send people to stop the poachers? Yes. I was wondering if it was gonna be like where they could send seismic signals to warn the elephants to go away from the poachers. Nah, that they'll be working in reverse. Right now they just have sensors. That'd be out cool. there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is cool too. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, poaching for elephants ivory has been like a huge issue for a ridiculously long time. But it's the situation where, yeah, everyone sees the value in maintaining the, the species. But if you can make a quick dollar, you know, depending on how desperate you are, and we all know that you can pretty much get anything you want off the black market, right? Mm, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, let's see, you're looking on a little bit more. I only shop at geeky type markets. Yeah. <laughs> we found that the forces generated through elephant calls were comparable to the forces generated by a fast elephant walk. So yeah, this uh, goes into discussing like what the similarities were between everything. So yeah, based on vibrations, they can tell that uh, what the different activities are of, of the elephants. Sweet. That's super cool. Yeah. 
All right, time for an Audible interlude. For you, the listeners of Video Game Crosstalk Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash VGXTPod and sign up for your free trial and download one of over 180,000 titles such as The Vagrant by Peter Newman. And this is a book I just finished today, actually. Oh, and great timing. Yeah. Um, I, I just finished it off today. Uh, really interesting world. And I'm getting to the point now, and I was joking with a coworker about this, between all the different sci-fi and fantasy and video game series and novels and franchises, I have way too many different sets of mythos competing in my brain. <laughs> for uh for real estate oh i bet oh it's it's like have you ever gotten into a conversation where you start to you know obviously a geeky conversation and you start to recite some information or uh, like talk about the lore or something like that but then realize halfway through like wait no that's a completely different franchise wait a second give, give me a second have you ever, has that ever happened to you uh i'm Possibly. I mean, you're right. There's so many out there now. It's so, it's, oh. I know. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, we're going to talk about zombies. Well, which type of zombies are we talking? Are we talking Walking uh, yeah. Dead? Are we talking 28 Days Later? Are we talking classic? Are we talking? Yeah. So this one, it's interesting. It is combination of like evil spirits have come out from this fissure from deep within the earth and they descend upon humanity but the humanity is kind of like a near future type thing so like on the back of the book it describes it as a tale of mysticism and oh no excuse me a tale of winged swords and broken solar panels huh interesting so yeah it's got a nice dystopian thing it's a really dark book like darker than what I normally read, but it's it's dark. But it's a pretty inventive world. And throughout the course of the book, the, the vagrant, the main character, has this goat with him. And the goat just kind of plodles along and it's got its own little like sub story going on with every location that they go to. <laughs> so it's, they have this like random goat that's just kind of comic relief every once in a while. Like at one point later in the book, uh, the goat is finding a little grassy patch of land to munch on and some mutated bird kind of flies down next to him and they kind of have a standoff. And like uh, that chapter ends with, like the battle for the first circle has begun as uh, the next chapter. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, go to audibletrial.com slash VGXT pod and sign up for your free trial. All right. Now for some gaming and geekery. Uh, I got a list of articles here, and the first one is a new segment I'm going to try to start promoting on here, and I'm going to call it Capital Region Unlocked. Kind of playing off the whole capital region. That's what we call the area surrounding Albany, New York, here in upstate. And the concept of video games being region locked. So I'm kind of smashing them together <laughs> to form a super gimmicky name known as Capital Region Unlocked. And this article is 
Yeah, the link that I pulled from is actually from the New York State website, and it is Albany County-based video game developer to add 115 new jobs and has been granted money for uh, expansion of their studio. And that studio, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, is Vicarious Visions. Uh, so, Jeffrey, you familiar with them? Absolutely, yep. Yeah, so they were the people behind Skylanders, behind Guitar Hero... Uh, Jeff, I don't know if you play any Destiny at all. Yes, no, maybe? Uh, I played some of the first Destiny. Okay. Did they, I didn't Guitar? know. They were, were they involved with Destiny? Yeah. They they are owned by Activision. Wait a minute. Uh, I, who, thought, I thought Bungie did Destiny. Bungie is also owned by Activision. Oh, interesting. Yes. So <laughs> the Activision, big parent company of everyone oh, and right, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay, cool. I didn't so, know they worked on that. Yep. I know they did some, yeah. uh, I think some like, oh uh, God, some Marvel, right? Didn't they do some Marvel? I think so. Past, I think, yeah. I think so. Um, I don't know if they did the mobile game. I thought they did like some of the um, action, like RPG type games. Um, we got the, I don't know. Anyway, mm. so I can't so, think of the wait. name of it. <laughs> Hold on. I'm bringing up their Wikipedia page right now. Oh my I mean, god, they've done, they've done a lot. lot of stuff, yeah. They've done a lot. A lot of Nintendo and Nintendo like Game Boy, Nintendo DS. Yeah, Guitar Hero, uh Kung Fu Panda, all the Skylanders games. Crash Bandicoot. Oh, I didn't know they did Crash Bandicoot. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Vigilante 8. Oh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Yeah, so they've done a lot of stuff. So most recently, they were involved with Destiny 2 in the Warmind expansion. So, the, well, I would say the most recent expansion, there's another expansion coming out in like two weeks, which uh, personally, I'm on Destiny 2 Blackout right now until that drops. Can't wait. But yeah, it was very well received by the community, and they are getting like a lot of money so <laughs> but like i said they've been in the capital region for nearly 30 years and they're going to be bringing 115 new jobs to the area that's a lot that's a lot that's a lot for one year like they are not a huge studio uh i mean all the respect to them but like they're they're more like an indie studio that's just owned by a big triple a conglomerate type of thing you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 So the company will be investing more than seven point three million to move. Oh, they're moving as well, and they're going to fit out a new forty-four thousand square foot studio space. Sweet. And, yeah. Yeah. I've been, and, actually, I've been to the building where not in their place, but I've been to other things in the building where they are. That makes sense for them to move. Yeah, it's it's a nice quaint little spot, but uh, when I was uh, laid off for a little while. I picked up some temporary work in their that's building. That's why I was there. And that's only for temp work. <laughs> there it is. Oh, sorry, puppy. Probably, uh, did I had same, one. probably doing the same stuff. Probably, actually. Yeah, uh, measured progress. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, grading state exams for a little bit as temp work. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Uh, yeah, it was soul crushing. <laughs> that's a whole nother discussion. Um. But yeah, so it's uh, they've been there for a while, so they're moving out, going to be going into Colony, which is one of the neighboring uh, cities. 
but they're bringing all sorts of stuff. And one of the reasons why I want to start talking about uh, Capital Region is they're at the hub, basically, for video game development in the area. There's a bunch of other like little smaller studios uh, up in Saratoga. There, it was called Mad Glory, and they handled a lot of back-end stuff for game development. And like one of my earlier episodes, like going back to close to like episode four or something like that, actually I had one of their developers on. And past few months, they were actually bought out by PUBG. So they are now a PUBG studio helping out with that. And also, I mean, we have RPI, the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, and the the geek, the geek is strong in that school. Oh yeah, oh it's very strong. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the geek is very strong over at RPI, and you know, it, it's popping up around here. Uh, I've been trying to get over if time will allow me we have the tech valley center of gravity also in troy new york where it's like a gaming and geekery like make space like they have meeting rooms they do weekly like game development seminars and stuff like that they have like a 3d printer that you can rent out uh, really cool stuff going on. So all sorts of stuff happening in the capital region. I'm going to try to keep a closer ear on like any news that pops up and hope to pop it into this podcast. But right now, the big one is uh, Vicarious Visions. They are expanding like crazy. So good for them and the home team. Anything yeah. else you want oh, to yeah, add? That's great. No, but that, that's great to hear. Yeah, it's, it's super cool to have a, a studio that's doing such uh, you know well-known work in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was, I think I mentioned this before, but it was so weird uh, watching like Destiny videos. Uh, it's YouTubers talking about the development of lore and stuff like that. And like nas- internationally known, I should say, uh, like Myling Games and My Name is Bife. And to hear them reference Vicarious Visions in New York just like made me go cross-eyed for a bit. Because to me, it's just uh, this local little indie studio that you know with a little bit of pride in the capital region but to hear them like be referenced and congratulated on such a large scale is just awesome absolutely it's mm. great moving on to more video game news god of war is the fastest selling playstation 4 game ever and in this article on cnet it quotes it at Wait, is this uh, god the, of war 4 Yes, I believe so. Okay. I think it's just co- it's just called it's God, called of, God War. of War, though. Yes. All right. But it's yeah, I think it's, it's the, the fourth, fourth one. one. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the article cites it at three point one million units sold in three days. Oh wow! <laughs> Jeez, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. And I wanted to bring this up because. Uh, I also recently just finished this game like a couple weeks ago, and it is, oh my God, it is so amazing. If you have a PlayStation 4, you need to play this game. There are so few games that get this type of balance between story and action and fluid mechanics, and the world is just unbelievably gorgeous in every level of detail. But besides all that gushing, so I talk a little bit about the idea where it's always coming up that single player games are dying off. 
and then God of War comes around. Yeah, I hate it when people say that single player games because that's the games I like to play are single player games. Right. So what what are you gaming on? What are you playing? Uh, so I do not have PlayStation Four. So unfortunately, I cannot that's play sadness. that. Yeah, but the real one I really wanted to play was Detroit Become Human. That's what I'm really bummed oh, about. Yes. I'm play. Uh, I have an Xbox One, which I love. Uh, but uh, the thing I actually, honestly, last year I got, I got a new PC and I actually got like a, you know, a gaming PC. There you go. So for the first time in a very long time, I was actually able to play PC games again. And it was also helpful for my streaming purposes. Oh, for my sure. Um, so I've been doing actually a lot more PC gaming, to okay. be honest with you. Uh, and um, so the most recent thing I've been, see, I had it for Xbox One originally, but then I, I re-got it because it was just fairly cheap. And, and mm-hmm. I got, and it came with all the, like the, you know, the DLC, I got, um, rise of the Tomb Raider for PC. Cause ah, I love, nice. I love Lara Croft, my all time favorite video game character. I love the Tomb Raider series. I played it, you know, when I was, and that there. is a series that I am so sad that I never got into. Oh yeah. It's so good. And, and the, um, and they rebooted it, you know, fairly recently in 2016. Yes, yes they did. So, um, and the, the, the trilogy of this intro is coming out actually in a couple of weeks, uh, it's shadow of the Tomb Raider. Okay. Um, so, uh, but Rise was the second one in this in this new like origin trilogy for Lara, and um, yeah. So that's the most recent game I've been playing because I, I wanted to, I had never finished it, so I went back from the beginning and just restarted on PC. Mm-hmm. Um, which oh my god, it looks so it's honestly possibly <laughs> the best game I've seen, and like it is by and they actually they have a special like some kind of hair graphic you can turn on for her, and that's one thing I find a lot of video games still like they can't quite get hair correct. This is the best hair like I've ever seen. I don't know the <laughs> so weird thing you're talking about. But well, this is like the most realistic hair I've seen in a video game. And just in general, the graphics. The graphics are phenomenal. Yeah, there's like so much going on in hair. Because like the mostly the hair becomes like its own single like thing. Like, yeah, because uh, well, like right, it's not like all these strands, like if you're gonna be realistic about it right you know so right or it, it's this big blob of fabric or something like that with little bits of individual hairs kind of like springing off it because it's just it's a waste of resources to try to animate each individual little strand yeah so whatever they did though man they kicked ass <laughs> this. but also i mean that's just a little thing the game mm-hmm. is absolutely beautiful the whole game and um and they've, they've done a really good job i think rebooting a, a younger Lara and uh, and the you know the story and the acting's great and action's great and, and I love that the game is very much about like it's always been from its beginning in 1996 it's very much about a lot of puzzle solving and and using your brain and figuring things out you know um, oh, man, so I, see, I would that love part. that like I would love that game because I'm beginning to play some games now that have more uh, environmental puzzles mm-hmm. and I'm trying yeah, to get into some Oh, man, you know, I'll start with start with Tomb Raider 2013. That's a perfect place to start. <laughs> Gonna add more games onto my backlog that I don't have time to play to begin with. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I know. Um, I, 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 there's so many games. I've, I guess, <laughs> I play. Well, and like, kind of going back to your super geeked up. Uh, there are so many games. There are so many comic books. There are so many movies. There are so many everything. There is no way that one person can be like fully versed in every aspect of geek fandom. Yeah. Oh, no way. Absolutely not. There's there, you just, you just can't do it. Like I've been gaming 
since near birth. <laughs> but, you know, I never played a, a Tomb Raider game. Now, I've been on, I was actually on the Xbox for years upon years. And only within the past, like, one or two years, I finally broke down and got a PlayStation. So this God of War is my first entry into the God of War series. Mm, you know, okay. I've never played an Uncharted game or any other PlayStation exclusives. And, you know, then there's a whole slew of games that never come out on console. They're PC only. There's just way too many. And I'm just recently, with the past three or four years, actually started getting into comic books and graphic novels. So I'm way behind the game on that. But, I mean, hey, it happens. But there's back so to... Yeah, there's way too much stuff. But back to the article, uh, what other like single player games do you enjoy? Uh, so I'm a big RPG fan. That's always been my favorite type of game on video mm-hmm. games. Um, so, so for example, some probably it may, if it's not my favorite, it's way, it's way up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the mass effect trilogy. There you uh, go. Yes. That's like, those are just, I mean, for me, for, in my opinion, it's like epic sci-fi storytelling at its best. Um, and I just, it's so amazing. I'm, I'm like nodding my head over here because that's great for audio only presentations, right? But I'm totally yeah. agreeing with you. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, Bioware in general is my favorite mm-hmm. company. So the Dragon Age series, you know, I love. Mm-hmm. Um, Knights of the Old Republic is, you know, back in the day was one of their earlier ones. It's just okay. one of the best RPGs ever too, I feel. The best Star Wars game ever made as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> All um, right. So, uh, yeah, so there, I mean, single player RPGs are always, have always been my like bread and butter. Nice. Do you ever get into the Bethesda games like Elder Scrolls or Fallout or those? Uh, I tried to play, uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Okay. Uh, and I couldn't stand it. And and I I tried to play the Elder Scrolls online, which was okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Say, I had a real bad experience with that. Most MMOs, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I like them, but I can't, I don't stick with them that long. Mm -hmm. Um, like, unlike a single player, usually the the story is just not quite enough for to keep me going, you know? Yeah, no, I had a character development. Yeah, I had a bad experience with uh, Elder Scrolls Online where I don't know if it just didn't install properly or what, but the like one of the first quest givers glitched out of my game and I couldn't actually start any quests. Oh, that sucks. Like, yeah, so I'm like, uh, (laughs) I can keep going to this one area and beating up all these wolves and get next to no XP because I'm supposed to be actually doing a mission or something. I turned my Xbox off and on a couple of times, came back the next day. Like, I I, I can't do this. <laughs> but uh, Elder Scrolls in general and the, the Bethesda games, they're just so huge that I absolutely love them. But if someone says, like, they get overwhelmed or it's just not their style, I also totally get it because you can get overwhelmed almost instantaneously going into one of those games. So yeah, RPG, RPG is an action adventure usually what I play okay. nowadays. Uh, back when I was younger, I, I was very much a fighting fan. So Street Fighter 2, Mortal Kombat 2. Oh, sure. They were like huge for me back then. Yeah. Well, back in the days of the Super Nintendo, it was you, you would get a fighting game. And like that was the quote fighting game that you would play. 
type of yeah. thing. Well, yeah, be t- between Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter 2. <laughs> or if you're like my cousin, you had the turbo controller, you were able to do the, uh, like, the heavy, what was his name? E-Honda palm strike really fast just by holding down the button. Like a oh, shirt. you didn't have to tap it, you could just hold it? Yeah, he actually had, like, the, the super uh, uh, third-party controller. Yeah. He just turned on turbo, he just hold down the the button. Uh, so, yeah. Single player games definitely not dead. Going strong. Good. I hope it keeps up that way. Yeah. Next one, Dune is getting the film treatment again. You a fan of the Dune series? So I've never read the books. Um, I've seen the movie from the eighties. Okay. Um, which I enjoy. Actually, I was gonna say uh, I'm the complete opposite. I read the first book. Uh, but I haven't seen any of the movies. Yeah, I've never, I didn't see any of the like the Sci-Fi Channel, um, I guess miniseries or whatever that was, or movies they did. Okay. Um, so yeah, my my only experience is really the the you know the '80s movie, which is certainly cheesy at times, but I still enjoyed it. <laughs> it's it's the '80s. There was a lot of cheese going down yeah. in the '80s. I love the '80s. My favorite decade. <laughs> um. <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that came out of the 80s, but to say something was 80s and cheesy, it's like, well, it's kind of <laughs> expected. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's got, what's his name? Dennis Vin- Yeah, is it Denis Villeneuve, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. So, But he is fresh off of Blade Runner 2049. So that's awesome. Yeah, I tried to get through that movie twice, and I fell asleep both times. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> which, I, which, I mean, both times I was actually, it was very late, and I was super tired, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I it's a very, very slow-moving movie. Okay. All right, so maybe not the best vote of confidence there, but... Uh, but no, he's a very, very well-respected director. Yeah, he's done some amazing work. And what kind of makes me kind of raising the eyebrow right now is uh, halfway down the article, it says unfilmable. People have often described Dune as unfilmable, despite the fact there have been at least two versions that have made onto the screen at this day and age. I don't know how anything can be unfilmable with like the level of storytelling. I mean, technically, that we can... yeah, technically speaking, I don't think anything is really. Yeah. There's, I don't see how anything like your imagination is your limit at this point. Yeah. I mean, you can create anything you so, want through visual, visual effects now. It's CG. Right. And the CG is fantastic. Uh, one of the other podcasts I listened to, one of their co-hosts is a visual effects artist, and he's done some like, great work on some of the Netflix series. So David J. Tate over at Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover Podcast, uh, he's got this awesome demo reel uh, for his IMDb, and you straight up cannot tell that his work was done, which is like the best type of work for him. Yeah. Like he basically does a lot of like covering up of wires or... Uh, getting rid of green screens and like putting people like into the environments. He calls it compositing uh, mm-hmm. for people who actually know about film development and uh, movie magic and s- such. 
but this work that he was able to do for the series that he was able to work on is fantastic. And again, as long as it's done, you know, properly, any perspective you can think of is possible these days. Uh, just as long as you actually produce the budget to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, Dune is quite memeable as well. Uh, well, well, once once you read the books and like watch the movies, the whole uh, the sand giant sandworm, and uh, I've recently seen one with the uh, recent heat waves coming through, where people are saying something to the effect of, "I'm not saying it's hot out, but a couple of free men just tried to reclaim my water." So who who tried to reclaim the water? A, a couple of free men. Oh, I, see, I don't know if they covered the Freeman and reclaiming the water. And, uh, uh, it's, been too, it's been too long since I've seen it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, the whole concept is that uh, they're on these absolute desert planets and water is yeah. uh, like a scarce commodity. Right. So they... I remember spice, spice being a big yes. part of it. Yes, and right now, uh, being that we're getting in, moving into fall pretty soon, pretty, moving into autumn, uh, pumpkin spice, everything is coming out so i've been seeing the uh he who controls the pumpkin spice controls the white girls meme uh coming up oh, okay <laughs> all right yep so that's directly from dune so yeah be looking for a, a new remake of dune to come out fairly soon or eventually i should say i don't think they gave any time frame in this article nah but it's in the works it's in the works all right, cool. All right, final bit of geekery news. Doctor Who confirmed to return to screens, quote, by October, end quote. So you, you a Whovian? Uh, I'm actually not. I used to be. So when I was a kid, I remember watching the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker. I That's everyone's favorite. Like, if you yeah, are a yeah, longtime Who fan, you love Tom Baker. That's basically yeah, how everybody it goes. says that. So I remember watching that as a kid, though, um, and enjoying it. And then I've tried on two different occasions to get back into it. Uh, like I guess season or series nine, I guess is what they call it when they kind of started. Okay, right? yeah. Um, with, uh, with with Eccleston, yes, Chris Eccleston, yep. Who I like that. I like that guy. Him actually. Um, yeah, I just could. I I don't know. I just can't quite get into the what, the style that they do their stories in. And, oh, you're you're uh, breaking my heart. But, I, but look, I mean, we talk about it. I know. <laughs> you know, like, but that's the thing. Right? That's the thing. Like, everybody has different tastes, right. you know, and uh, different things they love. But I mean, we certainly talk about it plenty of times on uh, Super Geeked Up because a lot of I know a lot of people do love Doctor Who, mm -hmm. and uh, so certainly a bunch of our fans do. Well, it's uh, pretty awesome that they finally bring in on a woman to be the doctor. Yes, I'm glad to hear that. see that. Yes. Very happy to see that. And I love the tagline of, it's about time. I'm like, hey, I get it. Time, time lord. Uh, <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, they uh, have also recently revealed the new Sonic Screwdriver, which looks weird <laughs> to me um this actually i mean it's always looked like this almost steampunk-ish wand i guess is the best way to kind of electronic yeah. wand thing but this it it looks metallic but like metallic wood is what it looks like now hmm. yeah interesting interesting hmm. all right uh, well so you're excited though oh, right yeah 
or it's oh, your turn? absolutely. I mean, I've kind of fallen off of it a little bit. Uh, just time constraints and life in general. But uh, my wife actually got me watching it uh, when right about when we started dating, just talking about, you know, like different interests. And I had never watched Doctor Who to begin with. And like her and her sister were like, dude, you would totally be a Whovian. You, you got to watch Doctor Who. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll give it a try. And everything was great. From It took a little while because I started with uh, Chris Eccleson and it was kind of an acquired taste. I really wasn't sure what direction they were going. And it is very British. It is very British. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to, you know, accept that mindset and, uh, and their style of humor, which I do appreciate. Uh, I was disappointed that Chris Eccleston only lasted one season, but uh, at this point, David Tennant is my favorite doctor from what I've seen. Yeah, a lot of people pick him as their favorite. He was fantastic. Sorry, Matt Smith, bow ties are not cool, no matter how many times you say it. I just can't. I can't accept that. Is that oh, That's is one that of his, that? Yeah, his bow ties are cool. Yeah, like, no, no, they're not. <laughs> Uh, I'm such a terrible hipster. Oh, well. <laughs> so, yep, definitely excited for that. So, moving on, we have got quite a few listener questions this time around. So, we'll just start from the top and work our way down. Sound good to you? Yeah, sounds great. All right. First up, we got Aaron Sturdivant from Horror with Sir Sturdy Podcast. And... What are your thoughts on the DC shows on the CW? I love them and think DC should stick to the TV shows and animated movies. Live action, they just can't get right. Anthony, if you never watched these, they are definitely worth it, and they're all on Netflix. And lastly, and most importantly, Jacob is awesome. Yes, Jacob is my son, and yeah, he's pretty awesome. Even though, <laughs> nice. the, little kid, even though the little kid has uh, been a bit of a terror recently. So I... I I don't know if this is like the same with every other family, but he, he's going to be two in October. And for whatever reason, if he sees mommy, he has to be with mommy, like has to be with mommy. Daddy just doesn't cut it anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he will like angry scream at me if like, my wife is doing something out in the yard and we're just, I'm like watching him inside or trying to play with the blocks. He will like angry scream at me uh, and like run to the door and like pull on the door, not wanting to go outside to be with mommy. It's uh he's been kind of a mama's boy <laughs> recently, but what's interesting is I pick him up from daycare and he's totally fine, all happy and smiling and all that good stuff. But, uh, as soon as mommy comes home, gone. <laughs> Got to be mm. with mommy. Anyway. Uh, so, well, that'll change. Yeah. I'm we'll sure he's we'll, we'll. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm not watching. I don't really watch TV, like, almost at all. Uh, I just either don't have time or what free time I do have, I'm either reading or playing video games. So do you watch the DC shows on CW? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. This is right up my alley. There actually, you go. This question. Uh, we actually, I do a show with my co-host Mark's pile. It's called DC action hour. And the whole, oh, show is about, the whole show is about talking 
all the shows in the CW. So Arrow, oh, Flash, wow. Supergirl, right. Black Lightning. Right. Aaron, are you hearing this? Aaron, are you hearing this? All right, go on, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, so right up my alley. This is, um, yeah, I watch those shows all the time. Um, I've been watching them from the beginning. So my thoughts, uh, and please go listen to DC Action Hour. Go to watch. You can just hear more of our thoughts. But um, And uh, my thoughts range all over the place. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. when we talk about them. There's stuff we love. There's stuff we don't like as much, you know, and we, so we break that all down. But um, nice. the Flash um, had been my favorite show on TV the first two seasons. It was amazing. Loved it. Okay. I still liked it the last two, but I don't think it was up this as good as the first two seasons. Um, still very enjoyable. You know, and I've been uh, Supergirl actually was my favorite last year. Uh, okay. So Supergirl just fin- finished their third season, um, and I thought that was the best one they've done. I actually think they've gotten better every season. They've d- they're doing a really great job over there in Supergirl. Oh, that's that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah, that's a good sign. Obviously, when I mean, you should be getting better every every year. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's hard to outdo yourself every once in a while. Like, oh, we need to go bigger and better this year. Oh, we need to go bigger again. And sometimes things get a little little hokey. But Supergirl <laughs> seems to be pulling it off. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Arrow nice. is the longest running one. It was the first one in, on CW. It's uh, they're, they've done six seasons. Okay. So again, first two are amazing. Um, they, Arrow has its ups and downs. Like most people will tell you, season four is the worst season. I generally agree <laughs> with that. Um, last season, season six was also not. Very, here's the thing: like they did some cool stuff, but there was some stuff that just drove me and my and my co-host crazy that they did. Oh. Are you doing this? Uh, like what? What were they doing? They did this big thing that permeated almost the entire season where like, so Arrow started mainly just him, but as it's gone on, like, there's a whole team Arrow now. So there's all these other like heroes and vigilantes fighting alongside him. Okay. And there was like, so there became this like my 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 co-host Marks called it was like their kind of version of Marvel Civil War almost. There was like a Civil <laughs> War the Team Arrow, um, and so we had like kind of original Team Arrow, and then what I called whiny Team Arrow because all, all they did was whine all the time and it was super annoying. Uh, and there were and there were just the whole season was just them like bickering and fighting and hating each other. And I'm like, this is so I don't want to see this. This sucks and everybody's whining and please stop. <laughs> uh, and they finally did it the season finale, um, and I and I hope that doesn't continue because I maybe want to not watch the show anymore. <laughs> so, Ooh, okay. But I think they actually got a new showrunner now this coming season. Um, so I, I think hopefully they're gonna because they did have a nice kind of everybody got along again at the end. So hopefully it'll be good season mm-hmm. seven. Um, and yeah, those are the main three for me. Um, I haven't seen all of Black Lightning or Legends of Tomorrow. Um, so um, what I've seen at Black Lightning is very well done. Legends, I was joking the show because I, we have viewers who love Legends as their favorite one. Mm-hmm. And, and Legends is such a goofy show. And for <laughs> me, it's just like it's so much stuff to do that makes no logical sense whatsoever, uh, which sometimes I'm okay with, but sometimes it just goes too far. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that that show also though keeps improving each season. Okay. Uh, that, that's a good sign. Um, and... Um, and they, I mean, they've had some very, very good episodes that I've liked a lot on that show. But anyway, overall, yeah, I mean, those are like, those are like CW, DC shows are like, you know, that's kind of like the main stuff I watch. Uh, cool. Yeah, good question. All right. Oh, I also have to know that I oh. actually am enjoying 
uh, DC movies. At least Wonder Woman and Justice League I loved. So I think they're on the right track now. I, All I right, good. Up. Yeah. Uh, next question. This is from Stories from a Bar podcast at Stories Fab. In your opinion, who is the most underrated and overrated superhero? Hashtag Ask VGXT. Uh, one of the most underrated, I'll say, is somebody I just talked about on Super Geeked Up, uh, is The Question, who is a DC superhero. Okay. Uh, he's, he's a detective. Uh, he has this really super cool blue uh, like trench coat and fedora and he has this like thing that covers his whole face so you can't see it um and also actually uh, a, a female version renee matoya played her at one point him other question okay um, anyway a lot of people don't know about him or her uh and i just think it's always been super cool character i just like detectives in general like <laughs> detective characters nice um, so again not, not really superpowers but you know uh he uses more like you know his wits his mind his sometimes a, a little bit of a gadget stuff um yeah so that's probably I mentioned him. And then overrated, um, I'm actually going to go villain because that's the first one that came to my mind. I'm going to say Captain Cold, who's from the Flash uh, rogues gallery. Okay. Um, everyone loves Captain Cold, particularly on the Flash series. Like they, It's his favorite villain. And I just think, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> I just think he's, like, it doesn't make any sense why he would ever be able to take on the Flash. It's just ridiculous. He's got a gun that shoots cold stuff. That's it. That's all he does. Um, <laughs> he's supposed to be this uh, genius mastermind, and I don't see that at all either, like criminal mastermind. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think he's so overrated. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough for me because, like I said, I just recently got back into uh, – or got into, I should say, the whole superhero, supervillain scene. So, like, the majority of what I know are your standard, like, your X-Men uh, or like the super popular of the DC and Marvel universe. So it's really tough for me to have uh, an opinion either way. I will say that I am just not a fan of Superman, and this is going to be blasphemy like to the entire comic book world. But the idea, I get that he's supposed to embody everything that's supposed to be great and American and all that other you know, patriotic stuff, but it's just... He can fly. He's got super strength. He's got laser eyes. He's got freezing breath. He's bulletproof. He's near invincible except for this one random mineral from outer space. And I just I don't see any entertainment value in watching someone who basically can't be defeated. You know, yeah, what I, I mean, mean, that's that's usually that's the knock against Superman is that he's overpowered. Yes. Um, and I get that. I totally get it. Um, I uh, like Superman's not my favorite, but I always have liked him. Um, mm-hmm. And it's mainly because of who, who he is as a person. Like, I think he rep- his moral character, his who and, he. I think he represents the best of who we should be. Yeah, and that's what um, people tell me when I, I kind of do go on my little rant. That yeah, the idea of Superman isn't that is less focused on his abilities and more focused on his general character. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's how, I mean that's how I like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always looked at him. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next one from Kerry Johnson at Kerry Johnson 919 hashtag ask VGXT. Hey, super geeked up. Who would you most love to feature on your show and why? 
That's a great question. Actually, Carrie and I know some other of our loyal viewers sending questions. So thank you guys very much uh, for doing yes, that. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you, Jeff, you uh, send out quite quite the the tweet storm to get some questions, and and your your yeah, community well, no, we are, we have responded. Very loyal, very loyal. Yeah. And I yeah. definitely appreciate that. Oh sure, no, thank you, everybody out there. Uh, this is a great question. I actually had to think about this because there's a lot of people I would love to have a guest on Super mm -hmm. Geeked Up, but the one I'm going to well, that's going to the top of my list right now is Gal Gadot because she is oh. Wonder Woman. And I honestly think she is the perfect Wonder Woman. Like I've always liked Wonder Woman, but now like Wonder Woman is shot up to like the top of my like list pretty much. <laughs> All uh, right. I think, cause I think the, I mean, also to the writing and the directing of that movie, I've, but it's just like, it was perfect. I feel, um, or near perfect. Like mm -hmm. it really like just, that's, that's kind of like how I envision Wonder Woman should be. She just perfectly portrayed her. It was also oh, yeah. nice to see with all this, there's a lot of dark stuff in it. Uh, there's a lot of dark stuff in the world, but there's also a lot of dark stuff reflected in tele TV and movies now in, in entertainment, mm -hmm. I feel. Oh, yeah. Like the past decade or so of movies have gotten really dark. And I can truly appreciate that because I would never watch any of the comic book movies like prior to uh, the Christian Bale Batman movies because they're just too campy for me. Mm hmm. So I'm really appreciating the more, not not always dark, but more realistic approach to. Yeah, the real, realistic's good. Mm -hmm. I'm actually not a fan of all this dark stuff because I, I'm kind of sick of it, and I want more light. Yeah, stuff. Okay. But what oh, yeah, I love so. Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman is the embody kind of like in a way what we're talking about with Superman. She was the embodiment of this movie. I think of like a true hero, like mm -hmm. trying to always do the right thing, the right moral compass. You know. Um, and just someone everybody could look up to and try to yeah. emulate. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I think. And actually, last year at Comic Con, <laughs> I was, uh, Hall H in San Diego Comic Con is their biggest hall. It seats six thousand five hundred people. Okay. So that's where they put all their big things. So uh, they had um, a Justice League panel last year before the movie came out, and all the actors were there. Um, and I didn't. They did this kind of thing where they came up from the back. But as Gal Gadot actually, I was I was sitting there videoing it because I video the panels for a company sometimes. Okay. And she walked right in front of my face, literally inches away from me. Oh my um, god! Yeah, like, and I don't usually actually freak out that much with celebrities, but for that, I was like, because I didn't even know she was passing me. I was like, oh, shit, that's Gal Gadot. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's awesome. Okay, awesome. Yeah. All right. Next question from Judge Greg at Judge Greg is Law. What would you like to see in the next generation of video game consoles? And Josh Gregg, I don't know, dude. Like, for me personally, my eyes aren't the greatest to begin with. And I am yet to purchase a 4K TV. So, like, higher-end graphics and sound are going to be lost on me, personally. Oh, because you're saying you don't, you're not going to have the requisite because technology? I, yeah, like I, I can't see that well to begin with. So having <laughs> better graphics just isn't uh, going to work for me. Uh, what I would love to see them do is start focusing more on just raw horsepower in the generations to come. Just, just raw horsepower, uh, just so we can get that frame rate up and stable and not have things start clipping in the background because e – even now, like I have a regular PlayStation 4. I don't have a PS Pro, PS, uh, PlayStation 4 Pro. I just have the regular one. And depending on what 
size like environment I'm in and how much detail is in the environment, uh, I still get a little bit of clipping here and there. So yeah, focus more on raw horsepower rather than having the development side try to get into more you know, granular graphics. What about you? What do you see for the future of gaming? See, I don't know. I, uh, I don't th- I'm thinking more of the graphic side. I All guess, right. well, for me, I guess whenever a new cons- a generation of consoles come out, usually the first thing that leaves out to me is how much better the graphics look compared mm-hmm. to the last generation. However, I think the problem may be we're at a state now that the graphics are so awesome right now. Yes. I don't know actually how much, like I feel the next generation is not going to be the same leap that we usually see because we're like, I don't know how much more can you do, you know? Yeah. That's like, I can definitely, even watching YouTube videos on my phone, I can tell the difference between like someone who recorded in, you know, 1080 versus someone who got some 4k capture, even on my phone, I can tell that difference. Oh yeah, like I actually it's, did. I do. I do have a 4K monitor for my PC. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a great one, but you know, because I, I don't have a lot of money. But it, <laughs> I can. But here's the thing: putting that, like, I actually, whenever I can, I play. I'm playing the games at either 2K or 4K, whatever I can handle. You know, the system can handle. But there is a huge difference if I'm doing 4K versus 1080 on the game. I'm like, oh. F- oh yeah. Me, sorry for the language, <laughs> but uh, I'm like, yeah, I can see it, man. Like, oh sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm not doubting that. I'm not trying to say that I can't tell the difference between 1080 and 4K. I'm just saying that going beyond that, it, it's it's going to be a loss on me. But, yeah, I guess they have 8K now, right? Something 8K? Well, God, I was reading an article a while ago, and yeah, 8K is the thing, but that's when you're getting into like actual movie theaters. So they can uh-huh. have proper resolution on a 20 30 40 foot screen it's not necessarily residential it's a commercial okay. application yeah i'm sure it'll come eventually uh, it'll come because why the hell not <laughs> uh kinetic at kinetic knows oh and by the way both judge greg and kinetic are part of the enthusiasts community so judge greg does the real hero talk and kinetic does behind the lines radio uh, who's your favorite Star Trek captain? Jean-Luc Picard. Yes, sir. <laughs> Likewise. I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but what I do remember and what, what I have watched, uh, Jean-Luc Picard, he does it with class. He does it with style. And Patrick Stewart is just like an awesome human being in general. Yeah, absolutely. I am a huge Star Trek fan, but yeah. Uh, he's just amazing, and uh, I mean, I'm sure you you heard right recently that he's returning as yes, Picard he is. in the Star Trek series. Yes, he is. So we got a new Star Trek series. He's not going to be captain, correct? He's going to be kind of like a an advisory role or consulting role. I, act, I don't know anything about it except that he's playing okay. Picard. He is playing the character Jean Luc Picard, yeah. but I don't know for certain. I don't know how why he would still be a captain at his age. At yeah, right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think he's like an ad, some type of either advisor or consultant type of role, not the captain of the ship. But yeah, he is reprising his role. 
So that's going to be awesome. And also a quick plug uh, in late October, towards the end of, I think, October 26th, I'll include links in the show notes once I get this episode posted. But uh, Northeast TrekCon will be coming to Albany, New York, and mm-hmm. I am going to going to be there. I'm going to be walking around, see if I can get some interviews. Uh, like I said, I'm not the biggest Trek fan, but aside from Star Trek uh, stuff, they're also going to have plenty of other artists, and they're going to have scientists as guests as well, talking about their research and work. So definitely going to be heading on over there. Again, late, That's awesome. yep, late October over at the uh, Albany Convention Center for Northeast Trek Con. So we'll go check that out. Yeah, actually, the first the first Northeast Trek on I actually did most of the programming for that and most of oh, the. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, uh, I think his name is Jerry. Contacted Jerry, me. Yep, Jerry Silver. She's great. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. a good friend of mine. Nice. Yeah, I've been talking to him a little bit, uh, trying to get things situated. All right. So uh, next up, we have Maria. Elena Duran, and she's got two questions. Yes, Maria, we were able to get your second question in before we started recording. So the first one is excited to see uh, Super Geeked Up on the podcast. Why did you start Super Geeked Up? I'd love to hear the story. I think we covered that in the beginning. We did, yeah. So I guess we already answered that one, right? We're Yeah. We had foresight there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and second question, any – well, the question is, as it came through on Twitter, share your creative process or tips to writing a comic book or web series. Do you storyboard? Hashtag AskVGXT. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, so in terms of story, I've actually never storyboarded. Um, the main reason why is I have no artistic talent in that regard, <laughs> okay. in terms of drawing. Uh, and I feel like they would be completely <laughs> useless because it would be so bad. <laughs> Um, that may not be true, but, um, I do, um, I do a lot of, uh, I do do a lot of outlining. I do a lot of, I do certainly come up like in terms of, uh, full shot lists and, and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And I do actually draw, uh, so I don't do, uh, I do like, okay. that's what I call camera plots where you'll, you'll draw like, um, you'll draw the, the location, the location you're in, like the, like a, almost like a floor plan of it. Okay. Um, and where your the actors will be, and then you like draw like where the different camera placements would be for all the different shots. Okay, so I do stuff like that. Um, uh, in terms of like a, just creative tips for because I did actually we didn't talk about this, but I did a comic book version of Super Knocked Up as well as a tie in to the web series. Okay, um, which if you go to uh, supergeekedup.com, you can get that out. Get that. It's kind of like a kind of almost like a prequel in a little bit way, or it kind of leads directly into the the, the web series. If you're doing a superhero web series, I would say what I had to do, I think, make smart is don't focus it on the powers and the action, but on the characters and the relationships. Um, mm-hmm. Like I had a, had to change some of my story for that when I decided to do it on my own out from the feature screenplay. But I think that actually made it better. For me, at least, anything I watch, I keep watching it because I care about the characters and and what's happening with them, right? And how they're developing and, and where in the host story. I enjoy, certainly enjoy awesome action scenes and and sometimes, you know, cool superhero power stuff, but that's not the reason I'm watching it, you know? Like mm-hmm. if I wanted that, I would just go watch every Michael Bay movie I ever made, which I don't really want to do. <laughs> um, yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, so I don't know. I guess I would say that's kind of my main tip is maybe really make it about the people 
like my again super knocked up is not actually really a, i mean we have superhero and villain stuff in there and and, mm-hmm. and powers and stuff but it's about them in their normal roles much more than it is about their super powered roles you know and now that you mentioned it that's actually really good advice i'm thinking back i do watch the netflix series so the, the marvel, netflix series? marvel series yes yeah. still working my way through the second season of luke cage but between luke cage and yeah even uh, daredevil and definitely jessica jones it is not like really about jessica jones it's not about her super strength at all like it's there but the story is definitely about her and how she manages in this world and her relationships with other people and how she you know is trying to balance all of that and her strength i mean it's only featured occasionally in a fight scene or if she's trying to break into a building or something like that rather than picking the lock she just kind of rips the lock off <laughs> kind of thing but yeah, to your point, it's definitely more about the people and the the superpowers play, I guess, a supporting role to them. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that was uh, next one. Chris Hadley at Film Writer 4. How do you how did you come up with the idea for Super Geeked Up? And again, I think we already covered yeah. that in the beginning. Thanks, Chris. Yep. Also, next two questions are from Anthony Davis at Lister's Mate. And follow-up question to the how would you come up with the idea for Super Geeked Up is, do you realize how much impact Super Geeked Up has on the people around you, both on and offline? Uh, yeah, so thank you, Anthony. Anthony's been a super loyal uh, viewer of us for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, well, one reason I actually am somewhat aware of that is because Anthony is – has sent me a lot of very nice, kind messages telling me how much of an impact it's had on him. Awesome. So that's very, that's very, it's very encouraging to be honest with you mm-hmm. when I hear stuff like that. And, um, cause sometimes you do, you know, you do a show like this and you don't really, sometimes you feel, I don't know, you don't really know, I guess how much people care or if they oh, do. Oh, oh, I totally get it. <laughs> um, uh, I had joked about this. Well, kind of sort of with judge Greg when he was on and it was like, you were shouting into the void. You're promoting your show as much as you can. You're putting out these podcasts and you put it out there like, Oh, sending questions. And there are many episodes where there are just zero listener questions. And you're like, okay, (laughs) moving on to the next topic. And so when you actually do get responses and you do get feedback and interaction, it is, it's a warming feeling as the content creator, but uh, go on, go ahead. Yeah, no, I agree. It's the best feeling really ever. I mean, it, it really makes it feel like all worthwhile that, you know, the work we put Mm -hmm. into it. Um, And, um, and it's just that, I mean, that's, and it makes you feel like, you know, I'm doing something good that the the point of super geeked up is part of, you know, a big part of it was to kind of build this geeky community where everybody can just get together and have a great time. And, and that's, you know, when people say that, that's, that's awesome uh, mm-hmm. to know that I succeeded at that. Um, and, you know, we, so we do our show live. So, and we have, um, you know, it's, you know, it's not huge, but there's a very loyal viewership that's every week there with us live in, the, in our chat. Um, and that's very encouraging to see that. Um, 
and they're, and they're the most and they're the most awesome people ever. They're always super positive, supportive of not only me and our guests, but also of each other. Uh, and they've mm. gotten to know each other, um, you know. And, and and here's the thing: I always say like, I don't, I never like view them as fans, but as friends. Because honestly, most of them I've actually become friends with through doing the show. Nice. Um, I've started to become friends with a few of the people that I've had on the show as well. It's uh, a. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I think, yeah, and I, I think that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. And for his next question, hashtag AskVGXT, here's a question for Jeff. Uh, Orion Slave Girls, Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, and the Wicked Witch of the West, which is the best jade-skinned goddess? This is the perfect question from Anthony because Anthony loves green-skinned uh, women. <laughs> um, uh- I understand. I'm not dissing that. Like I get it. Like I'm, so I'm green skin, blue skin. That's good. It's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> out of those three choices, I'm definitely going to go with Jennifer Walters. Uh, she Hulk. Nice. Uh, she Hulk rocks. Actually. She, oh, I should show she Hulk as the most underrated. Cause oh. she, Hulk, I don't think ever gets the recognition she deserves. She's, I mean, super powerful, but she's also super smart. She's a lawyer. She's like oh, she really is. intelligent. Yeah. She's a lawyer in real life. Uh, I mean, you know, in her in real life, but well, in her, <laughs> you know, in her non superhero role in life. Okay. Um, okay. Honorable yeah. mention. And she's funny though too. Like she, she she used to in the comics. She would sometimes do this fourth wall breaking, like it's stuff. <laughs> nice. All right. Last listener question from El Hawkes at three hundred three Ninja Jeff. Where'd you uh, where'd the idea come from to take Super Geeked Up on the road? Hashtag SVHD. Uh, and we were, t- I joked about this before we started recording, uh, basically because that's what you do when you're a rock star, right? <laughs> well, yeah, thanks. That's, <laughs> I, I like this. That's what it was. Uh, maybe someday. Um, yeah, that's Josh. Thanks for the question, man. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I've been doing it online for a while before we ever did it uh, in person at Comic Cons or other festivals. I don't actually know. I think just, I think it just, I was just, you know, I, I was going around, I've been going around to comic cons trying to promote super knocked up for a while and getting tables and stuff and booths. And mm-hmm. I think I thought at just one point I was like, um, the show I'm doing, wow, it seems like it'd be perfect to do in a live, in like an in-person setting on stage. Like, it seems like it'd be even better actually that way. So why don't I, why don't I try it? So anyway, so I started submitting it. The cons and honestly i was very surprised actually at how many of these like really huge cons actually let us do the show there when they didn't really know much about us uh, and now you know now that we've done it more and i've got kind of more you know, mm. reputation for doing a good job uh, stuff it's easier but yeah it's kind of just that all right all right, and now we're going to move thank into the final question. Oh, yes. Great thank question. you. Thank you so much. Uh, and feel free to send more questions, even when Jeff's not on the show. Yes. Uh, lo- love to hear from you guys. I absolutely love to hear from uh, the community. So we're going to move into the final five questions. And these are the final five questions of every episode. The first two are always the same. The last three have a theme. They range from irrelevant to irreverent. Here we go. First question, coffee or tea? Uh, neither. I don't like either one, so I'm going to go what? milk. Yep. Moving on to the second question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you play any tabletop games? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, a whole bunch. Um, Dungeons and Dragons is the one I played the most. Uh, but I love the fate system of games. It's actually my favorite 
Uh, actually, the company Evil Hat, which makes this, uh, is, has been super kind to us, providing tons of prizes when we go to cons. Oh, nice. Um, and yeah, so Fate, uh, probably a little bit of the, what's called the Cypher system. Um, oh, we're actually just about to start a, a Conan. There's a new Conan RPG, fairly new. Oh, boy. Uh, that, uh, yeah, we're about to start a new game of that. And that's actually, I played that a couple of times. That's really fun. And uh, Edge of the Empire, which is a Star Wars RPG, I think is really cool too. Cool. All right. Uh, third question. And the next three, they're all going to revolve around the concept of super geeked up. So, all right. Uh, this question is one of the games that you play that I've enjoyed watching is called Universal Translator. Uh huh. So, one of my favorite I have three, I, I have three potential fake. All right. So, first, we should describe Universal Translator. You have you and your co host at the live show and you have to bring up audience members who can do a fake language. Yeah, like Klingon or Ewok or something right. like that. And they just kind of speak some gibberish in their fake language, and you make up dialogue for them. Exactly, yeah. And it, it is hysterical, the, especially if whoever the volunteer is can do some really good vocal inflections. Some of the dialogue that comes out is hysterical. So let me know if anyone has used these languages or if you would consider accepting them into your show. Okay. First one, interpretive dance. <laughs> We've never done that. That's hilarious, though. Uh, wow, that's a good idea. Oh, I, I got two more for you. Uh, the next one, scat. No, scat. It's kind of. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like scooty blah 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 blah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a that's a great idea too. God damn it, I didn't think of any of these. <laughs> and the last one is super cynical. Nihilistic poetry. <laughs> We've definitely never done that one. I don't think we will do that one. <laughs> However, I do like that in interpretive dance. Okay. Uh, fourth question. So in the realm of super knocked up and the idea of a superhero and a super villain uh, having a baby together, which of these superpowers would you consider an either dominant or recessive trait? Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. So ESP, would that be a dominant or recessive? Ah, uh, hang on. ESP is is that when you get you get like vision or you the future or I no? What is that? I think that it's when you can read minds. Read minds, right? Okay. Uh oh, read minds. Well, because of people like Professor X and Jean Grey, I'd probably go dominant. All right. Some powerful uh, people have that. Okay. Stretchy limbs. Oh, that's recessive. Okay. <laughs> that's Telekinesis. That's dominant. That's that's a cool power. All I would right. like to have that power. Uh, super smell. <laughs> what? So now, like you can do, smell things. Do you really. can smell things well, or you just you really smell bad yourself. <laughs> you, well, the idea is you can smell things really well. Oh, that's recessive. Okay, and uh, spiritual projection. So like you uh, can so project you can make... your yourself across large distances. Uh, I'm gonna go recessive on that one too. All right, and finally. Process. Uh, so it is super geeked up. So, what is your favorite soup? <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> these are very creative questions. I've never been asked these before. Uh, I like a good vegetable beef soup. Good choice. 
Usually if I'm at the restaurant and we're going through the soup list, if I hear New England clam chowder, I'm like, you can stop right there. We no, that's your, that's your choice? <laughs> that's my choice, yeah. Nice. All right, and that is all the time we have for this episode. Time for end of show plugs. You can follow me, Anthony DeRossi, on Twitter, Instagram, PS4, and Twitch at HyperSyntax. That is H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. Or you can follow the podcast directly at VGXTPod on Twitter and at Facebook at Facebook.com slash VideoGameCrosstalk. Or finally, you can visit the website at VideoGameCrosstalk.com for blog and all sorts of other fun stuff. As for my guest, Jeff, where can our beautiful listeners follow you around? Uh, yeah, so at Super Geeked Up on Twitter. I'd uh, love to hear from you there. Uh, we're Super Geeked Up on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, subscriptions, follows are always great. But best place, supergeekedup.com, the website. That's where you can find everything, links to everything. Um, you, can you can find all the episodes of things like Super Knocked Up, Super Geeked Up, DC Action Hour, ga uh, gaming streams. Um, it's all there on the website. Uh, you can also find what cons I'm going to be at. Uh, like the full Dragon Con uh, schedule that I'm going to do panel-wise is up there on our site now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so supergeekedup.com. Go check it out. Best way. All right. And finally, if you are a gamer or know a gamer that wants to talk some tech and science news, let me know. Do you know some tech news you'd like to hear discussed? Do you have any other general questions you'd like to hear answered on the show? Send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com and give me the deets on what's going down. Also, please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts. And we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and pretty much every other place you listen to podcasts. One last time, thank you for hanging out with us. And Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, of course, dude. That was a blast. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention actually is Super Geeked Up is live every Wednesday, uh, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Pacific at supergeekedup.com. We're off for Dragon Con, but then we're back after that for all our right bunch, uh, new episodes cool we'll be looking forward to it and in the words of ralph waldo emerson it is one of the blessings of old friends that you can afford to be stupid with them first one is gene silencing to prevent disease or excuse me yes genes let's try that again <laughs> the first one we got is gene silencing to pres wow i can talk <laughs> yeah right the first time yeah really so all right so it's gene silent